Okay, so we are talking about Star Wars 4 A New Hope, which, when it was originally released, was known only as Star Wars. No 4, no A New Hope, just Star Wars. Did George Lucas always know it was going to be number 4 in the series? Um, He did, because the old videos had episode 4 on them. The ones from, oh, what year was it? I wrote down years and changes that were made. Let me see if I wrote that one down. But the thing is, they're very original. Like, the one that was at theaters in 77, the year it came out, was only Star Wars. It didn't have A New Hope or Episode Four in it. That was added later. Well, it was added later. But on the scroll part, on the roll at the beginning? Mm-hmm. That was added later. Really? I've only ever seen it with the Episode Four on it. Same. Yeah, but I watched a couple videos and one of them, they I don't know how they got footage of the, the original 77 one, but they did. And it literally was just Star Wars and then it started the scroll. And they also color corrected the scroll and made it um, fit the screen better because the original one like kind of cut off words on the edges. Yeah, I, I remember that. I definitely remember that when I was younger. Yes, um, same, right? <laughs> yeah. So when we so we decided that we were gonna do episodes one through nine, um, we're, so we're not doing the other movies, um, Solo and uh, Rogue One, because right now, um, if we went chronologically, we would be doing Rogue One right now. Um, but we decided we before that we just wanted to do episodes one through nine. If we decide later on that we want to do um, the other ones, we will, but. For now, we're just doing one through, um, which is why we didn't start with Solo, because technically, um, I guess Solo would be next, and then yeah. Rogue One, and then and then A New Hope. So we skipped both of those and went straight on to A New Hope, which is the very first Star Wars that was ever released. Yes, and it's um, a movie. I hadn't seen it in a while. I really enjoyed watching it again. Um, so I have... Okay, I have a rant that I really need to go on before we get started. Go on the rant. Okay, so, so um, obviously, I care a lot about um, graphics. I care a lot about CGI and special effects and things like that in, in these movies. We've made that abundantly clear. Um, so these movies, I wanted to be like, okay, well, they were made... Well, the first one was made in 77. The other ones came out like in the 80s. And so these are, um, they're old movies. They were made back when technology and movie magic wasn't as good as it is now. Um, And then I started thinking about how the fact that people are telling me that the new, that the prequels had good technology for the time. And so now I kind of don't believe anybody. I'm like, I wasn't there in the 70s, obviously. And so I didn't know whether or not this was revolutionary because I've heard a bunch of times that like a lot of the tricks that they did for these movies was like never been done before revolutionary and, um, and, and really top of the line effects. And now obviously effects have gotten a lot better. And so we kind of see them as cheesy, but <laughs> I was there when the prequels came out and I can tell you those were not good graphics at all for any time. And so 
when I was watching this, I was like, okay, I kind of have to do the same thing that we did with the first ones with this one. And that is kind of judge the effects on how good they are, whether no matter what time they came out. So honestly, I love the fact that there was puppets. I love the fact that there was, you know, men walking around in trash cans, you know, when they're in with the Jawas and like pretending to be robots. I I loved it. I thought it was cool. It is really cheesy. And I was thinking to myself as I was watching it, like, it would be really cool if somebody went in and touched up this movie and got like a little bit of the cheesiness out, like doing um, CGI and stuff like that. Um, a lot of the, and, and then, and then I see this horrid CGI creature in my movie. <laughs> and I realized I'm watching this on Disney plus, which is, the new release of this movie where they put CGI into the old movies and oh my gosh, it was so bad and it just ruined everything. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. And it was so badly done. The, the like, uh, the lighting didn't match. The color scale didn't match. It didn't look real. It was so bad. And you could tell every single time. And I'm like, how is it possible? That something made in 1977 and something that was retouched up. What? Like it was retouched in like 2000. So there was a few different different years when it was touched up. There was a 98, 2004, and 2011 touch up. I'm assuming Disney Plus would have the brand newest one. um, The last touch up being 2011. Now when they added those creatures, I don't know. I don't know if they touched them up in 2011 but at least either 98 or 2004 or 2011 those were one of the years it was so bad you guys it looks so bad and i'm thinking like sorry 97 97, not 98 it was 97 04 and 11 sorry well it was at least the 04 one because it was after they did it after the prequels and the prequels i don't know when three came out but um, four came out, in, or sorry, two came out in 2002. So, um, anyway, it was really bad, and I was so disappointed <laughs> because, especially like with the explosions. So, there's a lot of explosions in this movie, and they are kind of lackluster because there's no. So, a lot of this movie was shot in manipulating like perception. So. Closer to the camera made it look bigger. Farther from the camera made it look smaller. They um, had a lot of sets and miniatures. And so, like, the Death Star is supposed to be this huge, you know, planet-sized or moon-sized space station. And um, and the ships and everything like that. And so, when things blow up, like, when you get shot or anything, that's really hard. Like, fire is the worst thing to do work with when you're doing something on scale size so because small fire looks very very different than big fire and the rate in which it moves is very different and um and so when you're just blowing up a tiny little ball it's a very different look than if something as gigantic as a small moon exploded and i was like they missed the greatest opportunity. They could have gone in there and CGI'd the fire to look better, to time out better. They could have color scaled it. You know, they 
add lighting, everything like that to make it look more real, like so much better. They could have done that. And instead they took their like huge budget and put crappy CGI creatures that just block the camera while you're watching. Oh, it was so annoying. And I'm like, what a missed opportunity that they couldn't go in and like clean it. And um, they didn't, they didn't digitally remaster it or, or they did digitally remaster it, but they didn't bring up the color like contrast or brightness or anything. And, and then they didn't take the CGI creatures and scale them down. So they didn't look like the CGI creatures are color scaled, very dark, very uh, saturated color. And that's not how the rest of the movie looks. And so it just stands out and it's so bad. It just was so bad. <sighs> Sorry, I had to say that. It was a 10 minute rant on like what a missed opportunity that they didn't go in and do something that would have actually made the effects better. They just added random creatures that didn't need to be there. And if they were going to add those random creatures, why didn't they get cr like create creatures that were already established were on that planet and like they had puppets to like draw from the idea of it like you have this on film you know that right like you can look at those pictures of those creatures and create those creatures and they didn't they just put random creatures random little uh it was it was so bad and rather than like fixing the um the lasers rather than fixing the explosions Rather than fixing the movements of the ro of the robots and the droids, they did none of that, and they just added creature. It's so annoying. You know what else they did with CGI? What? Really random. I mean, I okay, so I understand the why behind it. I do. You, uh, so the scene, and this is skipping forward a bit, but we're talking about what they changed right now. Um. Luke goes after R2 and then he's bringing him back and the Tusken Raiders come and get them and like they, you know, knock Luke out and R2 goes and hides in like that little cave space. Mm -hmm. So in the original, it's just like there's a kind of an open face and then he's in there. There's no rocks blocking him or hiding him. Like he's just kind of hiding in the shadows himself. And then in the new one, they added some CGI rocks to kind of be like, look, he's hiding behind them, but he can still like see out and peek out. So they CGI'd rocks Ooh. in front of R2. Why? I mean, I know that we've now established that R2 is ridiculously OP, but why? <laughs> that is my question to the Star Wars franchise. Why? <laughs> I mean, to, like, hide, to hide R2, he was hiding behind nothing before, to be fair. So I understand the why. It's just like, okay, but you, I, I agree with you. I didn't even think about, like, the. Ex they did fix one explosion. One explosion they did fix, the explosion of Alderaan. They made it better. They added that ring that comes out, whereas before that ring wasn't there. You know, that like Saturn's rings. Yeah, but, but the ring didn't fit and they didn't make the fire look better. And the, they did the they did a ring on um, the Death Star as well. Oh, I which didn't. I appreciate, but something <laughs> on that scale wouldn't have blown up like that. It's a much, <laughs> like, it, it just wouldn't have. 
no matter what type of explosion you started, it wouldn't have exploded like that. Well, and that's, I was going to say, you know, it's a galaxy far, far away. Maybe physics work different there and also the force. So the force made it explode like a potato. It's fine. Yes. Also, it's a galaxy but, okay. far, far away. They have different rules. I mean, they have a thing that helps you move objects with your mind and yeah. predict the future. So why not also, you know, make big things ex- explode like small things? Might as well. All right. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on. We'll start off with the movie. We'll start at the beginning and we'll we'll get on with this movie. So the very first thing was the role at the beginning. Um, I was happy that they cleaned it up. It was much easier to read. Mm-hmm. Um, it was informative, but it was very cheesy. And I, yeah, I can't say anything else about it other than it was really cheesy. And going from three to four, I felt like there was a, obviously there's a disconnect because they were made, you know, 30 years apart, but it felt very disconnected. So if I was a teenager watching this series for the first time I would feel very like jolted in how big of a difference there was in just wording and like they don't talk anything about the Jedi they just the evil empire it doesn't talk about you know and I feel like obviously that's three's fault because when four came out they didn't know that there was going to be a three um or I guess he knew that there was going to be a three Um, because he has gone on record saying that the reason he didn't do the prequels first was because we didn't have the technology to make it as cool as he wanted it to be. That's why he supposedly started at four. Um, But yeah, the role was kind of cheesy and it was, but I mean that I'm okay with that because it's a sci-fi action movie. Like you just got to accept cheese when it comes to that. Especially back then, um, like if you if you look at the difference in like let's take Batman for example, going on just a little side rant, not side rant, but tangent is what I meant. Like take the Batman TV series from the '60s with Adam West, and then compare it now to even the cartoon Batman's that we have. Not to mention the movies, the the difference in kind of nerd culture, sci-fi, fantasy, comic books, that sort of thing, then and now is vastly different it's taken a bit more seriously now it's actually seen as like you can sit down and enjoy it and you're not like on the edge of society and like sitting in your mother's basement or whatever other stereotypes there are and so i think while it is 1977 um star wars is very cheesy to us especially going from three to four if we were back then, it probably would have been one of the more seriously taken sci-fi fantasy movies up to date. I mean, the only other sci-fi I could think of that would have been close would be Star Trek. Um, and even Star Trek, yeah. the original series, was very cheesy at times. I mean, the fighting alone was... I mean, you've you've seen the original Star Trek, yeah? Um, Not like religiously all the way through but i've seen episodes (laughs) so you know what i mean like you could clearly tell they're not actually punching each other and like um so star wars was probably and star wars has more fantasy aspects than star Star trek was is pure sci-fi there is no fantasy no mystical energy or magic star wars is the first like sci-fi fantasy that i i think um 
made it obviously that big by kind of taking a leap and making it, yes, cheesy for our day, but a bit more serious than that day probably would have expected a a fantasy thing to go. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And and I like cheesy action movies, and so I didn't really have a problem with it necessarily. Um, as soon as the first like scene you see, we meet the robots, and we kind of see um, Princess Leia's ship is getting attacked by this huge giant ship, and it's a very cool uh, scene when you see the Darth Vader ship. I don't know what it's called but it slides over the top of the camera. That was like an epic scene in my childhood and I loved it. And so that was really cool. I liked it even. And like, even now when I'm so obsessed with, um, with how things are done and how things are made, I really still love that scene. Like it still looks cool. Like you can see the, 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 the fact that it's a miniature, you can kind of see that the force, perception thing but I don't even care I think it looks cool um the funny hats that the um (laughs) people are wearing they're so they're they're horrible but they're so great because it's so he wanted it to look really different you know it's a galaxy far far away but oh my goodness do they look silly (laughs) you know that's really funny I remember staring almost exclusively at the rebels hats helmet things during that scene and being like shouldn't I be focusing on something else but dang look at those hats those are some like those don't look comfortable <laughs> oh they look so bad um and then the the acting which is really over reacting and like the the what are they called the lasers mm-hmm. the laser guns what are those called blasters blasters so the blasters are going off. They're not hitting anybody. And then the person randomly like dies. <laughs> and it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's the funny thing is, is that even though it's super cheesy and these people are like falling down, like so dramatic and oh, eh, eh, and like nothing is happening to them. There is no blood. There's no gore. There's no singe. There's no nothing. They're literally just falling and the um the blasters are going not even towards them because they didn't line up their shots when they put the blasters uh cgi in or however they did it back then um they didn't really like line up where it was hitting so people just randomly fell over it was but even with all that cheese going on i actually like felt bad like i was a little afraid like i was sad for these people with silly hats that like they were dying like the music, the mood of it was still very like, they looked very scared about what was happening. The mood that it was set, even though it was so cheesy, like it still hit home. And I liked that. And um, the one thing that I thought was hilarious. So C-3PO, we meet C-3PO and um, R2-D2 on this plane. They're with Princess Leia. And there's like this hallway and there's, um, stormtroopers shooting from one side. There's um, the ship's uh, crew shooting from the other, and they're rebels, but I guess we don't ne- technically know they're rebe- rebels. Um, they're like shooting from one side of the hallway, shooting from the other side of the hallway. People are randomly dying and falling over. And then R2 and C3PO just walk like straight across the hallway and like don't even look twice or think twice, and they don't get hit by anything. <laughs> 
And then all of a sudden the door blows up. Like it was just, it was such a, it was such a great scene and such a bad scene, but I still like, even though there was a lot of issues with it, the feel of it worked. <laughs> I could definitely tell these people were scared. These were the bad guys. These were the good guys. And people were dying for what they believed in. And I, I got that right off the bat. Yeah, I agree. I really, really felt that scene as well. Sorry, I was trying to say something else. I also felt that same thing as you. Um, I don't focus nearly as much as the techni- on the technical aspects as you do. I do focus a lot on acting and emotion and stuff, I think, because that's how I also approach, and you know this very well, that's how I approach making a story and everything is, it's very character, very emotion, very, like, what is this part of the story telling me more than technical aspects? I I really think I would have been a Star Wars fan, even if I had, like, seen it back in 77, just because that feel, I did get that feeling from it. Um, I also felt really sad. And R2 is just a boss, and then C-3PO just kind of follows along as a secondary boss, I guess. (laughs) R2, I mean, R2's attitude, even though they're droids, and we don't understand what R2 says, you can, you get this attitude from R2. He really is a rebellious little droid. He's very brave. He's very intelligent and a little manipulative with that intelligence, as we see later on with Luke. And like, he yeah, just, he has his own ideas. Like he's like this droid that got a really awesome personality that came in just in time for eventually the rebellion to happen. Yeah, I I love that this story is basically like this movie is basically like R2's and C-3PO's story. Like if you look at who it follows, it starts out with him and it ends with them. Like it follows them. They are basically the main characters even though they're not. Um, and I, I like them. I like their introduction. I like the way that they play off of each other, obviously, because we don't understand R2. And then C-3PO is explaining everything and kind of through context is telling us what R2 is saying. And C-3PO is really mean to R2. Yeah. Like, he's always insulting him. He's constantly, like, belittling him or telling him, no, we're not doing that. No. Like, and he, But he always follows him. He always, like, he still goes along with him. He still follows him. He still trusts him. Like, I love their relationship. And I wish that the original series had, or not the original series, the, the prequels had really played off that because, Instead, they just made R2 really OP, and he kind of connects with some of the 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 humans, but him and C-3PO don't really have a relationship in those three, in the prequels, and um, and the, the cheesy, silly lines that they have in the prequels don't match the personalities, and I know that they have their minds, or the memories wiped or whatever but I don't think that they get a new personality they just don't remember who their masters were before but yeah I feel like C-3PO is like hilarious (laughs) in the fact that he's just kind of a dry humor jerk to see to R2-D2 and it's funny and he's just like a little worrywart and he follows his really brave friend around and insults him (laughs) 
And I like that relationship and they don't have that in the other show and the other in the prequels. I agree. I really enjoyed the relationship in um, episode four a lot. Let's move on. So without the CGI, my next note is when they uh, blow up Alderaan. Do you have anything before that? When is then? I don't know when that is even. I feel like I have a lot of stuff before that. I have a bunch of stuff on Tatooine. So. Oh, crap. I'm trying to remember the order. <laughs> the order okay, okay, okay. So this, this is what happens. happens. So, summarization, if you will. We open on the droids. Leia sticks a thing in or two. The droids jettison out on an escape pod down to Tatooine. Darth Vader se- sends a squad down there. Check. They separate. They get captured by the Jawas. We see Luke. He whines, which... Okay, maybe I do have a note before Alderaan gets exploded. Oh my gosh, the whining. <laughs> He's his father's son. I hate <laughs> the whining. I find Luke very annoying in this movie. I understand why they always call him kid. Like, I understand why people like him. I understand why Han, like, gets attached to him and calls him kid and why Leia likes him. I really do. I also just really hate the whining. I, I, he's, he's endearing because he acts like a child. Yeah, I have that note, too. He is very whiny. He's a teenager, and he wants to leave home. Um, oh, and just a side note, or I had a note before that was R2... So last time we talked about how R2 is sleeping in the room while he's supposed to be watching Padme. In this movie, um, C-3PO does tell him, like, wake up, wake up. So the droid does sleep. So once again, putting him in there to protect her was pointless. Just have to say, apparently droids do need to sleep. And so he was asleep. Why? I don't know. That was a dumb decision. Get a droid that's awake. Um... And then the next one I have is Luke is a really whiny teen. Um, I think he's supposed to be like 19 years yeah, old. Around, around 18 or 19. And he's like, oh, I want to go do the power cord and convert it. And he's just like, you'll do that when your chores are done. And he's annoyed. And, you know, he just wants to get off and of the planet and. Uh, go to the academy which doesn't really explain what the academy is um but i'm assuming it's like a pilot's academy or a flight academy because when he meets up with his buddy later he's like i told you i would make it and his buddy's a pilot so i'm guessing he wanted to go to a pilot academy but it doesn't explain that um and i have a question about um owen and baru do they know that Anakin is Darth yes. Vader? So they know that his father is Darth yes. Vader. Because he's like, oh, there's too much of his father in him. And so that I always thought that they knew he was Darth Vader. But in the, like rewatching it this time, they see him uh, kill like all those sand people and stuff, or Tuscan Raiders, like he, they see him slaughter all those people, or they know that he did. And so they can already have a bad taste in their mouth about him because he he's not a super great guy when he comes to visit them. And so I kind of think maybe they didn't know that and they're just thinking, well, his dad was a Jedi who was a jerk. But 
So yeah, I just wanted to know, like, clarify, like, they did know that he was that he uh, Anakin turned into Darth Vader. Is that common knowledge? Like, does like because I know Obi Wan obviously knows, and Yoda obviously knows, but like all the people that fear Darth Vader, do they know that he was once Anakin Skywalker? Because I feel like somehow that would have gotten out to Luke and like. <laughs> that Anakin Skywalker and their last name is still Skywalker or his last name is Skywalker hers isn't I feel like it's not like that common gone- knowledge because he when he took over when he and Sidious Darth Sidious took over the galaxy or at least a good chunk of it they went by Darth Vader and Darth Sidious he didn't go by hey I'm Anakin you know formerly Anakin Skywalker and now I'm wearing this all black suit and stuff people probably thought that he if they knew Anakin, you know, they knew him as a Jedi, they probably thought he died along with all the other Jedi. So I think the only people hmm. who knew, and Owen and Baru know, because otherwise, why would Luke come to them to be raised? Why would Obi-Wan want to stay nearby just to keep an eye on him? Like, I I feel like he explained. Well, Obi-Wan knew. Yeah. Like, Obi-Wan was looking after Luke from afar, but he could have said, this is Anakin's son, like protect him Anakin is dead I don't think so I think he told because like when he when he tells Luke he tells Luke that Anakin is dead that his father died and that Darth Vader killed him so he could have just said your dad was killed no I think I think they knew or like I always got the impression they knew I I really Mm -hmm. think they knew because I don't know I think they knew that's that's what I'm going off of I I would hope so anyway I don't see even though he yes tells Luke the you know thing about um his father being dead I think he would have given the full scope to Owen and Baru about what the they were taking on at least I would hope so in adopting this little baby that hey his father yeah. was I'm- you know, his father is the floor taking over the galaxy and enslaving and murdering thousands of people have fun why didn't they change his last name? I don't like know. Leia's. Leia, well, Leia was like officially adopted. She was like, she considered those people, she called them mom and dad or mother and father. Luke always knew that that was his uncle and aunt. Why? I don't know. Maybe because they needed the whole, like, he knows that he has a father who died in the Clone War era or something. But I don't know why they didn't, just say yes you're our son and then that makes the reveal even more dramatic later on i don't know yeah and also i mean we'll get to the part where vader figures out who luke is but we haven't gotten there yet um in this movie so i guess we'll talk about why he didn't put two and two together. I guess he never heard um, the last name. But he just only ever heard Luke before. I don't know. He calls him Skywalker. I'm pretty sure. Well, it doesn't happen in this movie, so we'll we'll figure it out in cool. the next movie. But anyway, so that was just the question that I had. Um, so the Sand People, right? So the Sand People that they talk about, they're the raiders that kidnapped me, right? Like these are the same. Yeah, creatures. they're the same things. Okay, so they, like, capture Shmi, torture her, and put her in, like, a little hut and tie her up. 
they capture Luke. They leave him by himself and go like check out his speeder and like raid his speeder. <laughs> and I'm like, these are horrible, like really inconsistent creatures. Like, are they interested in stuff? Like Jawas are super interested in stuff. Or are they interested in torturing people? Like, I have no, I, I don't know what these, these sand people, I don't want to have to do homework on them. <laughs> they should have had other creatures in episode two. And then he should have just wiped them completely out and they no longer exist <laughs> rather than having very, I mean, because in this movie, you are very afraid of sand people. He talks about how they can't stay out at night. You know, it's too dark. There's sand people. You have to stay in your house kind of thing. So it makes sense that they're feared and they're scary. But then when they have him knocked out on the ground, they go and leave him completely unguarded and attack this speeder and like look through all of this stuff. Um, and then Obi-Wan shows up and it is like the most anticlimactic entrance of all time. <laughs> like he just kind of walks in just like, and they run away. It's very... Uh, okay, it, it was. Go ahead. So, interesting thing about that scene is the sound effects for that scene specifically were changed. I they weren't changed three times; they were changed twice. But we have three different sound effects. There is the original in '77 of the sound that Obi Wan makes as he, you know, comes over that little ridge or hill, dune, what have you. Then the one that's made later on. Did I add? Her? Let me see if I added the years. No, I think I just put that they changed it every time. So the the one that we got on Disney Plus was the latest one that they changed it to. Because um, the second one didn't really sound like a, a man making noises to try and scare anything away. It sounded, well, not like a man. It sounded like a sound effect. <laughs> um, so then the, they kind of tried to make it more like a man could make these sounds, you know, if he was trying to pure bake and scary or whatnot. But... Yeah, he's just kind of walking. He kind of waves his arms a little bit, but it's more like it's because he's walking up a hill and is using it to, you know, get that oomph that you need when you go uphill. Maybe yeah. they recognize Ben Kenobi's cloak and they're scared of him as they should be because he's a Jedi. Um, and that's why they ran and he was being modest. Like, they're easily scared off when really it's like they were scared because I'm me and I'm awesome and I could beat them in like two seconds without even flinching. Well, they probably are scared of Jedi because the last Jedi they met slaughtered them all, <laughs> an entire village. There you go. They're scared. They saw they saw Ben. They knew he's a Jedi, and they just ran. We're gonna go with that. That's a little bit better, you know. The scariest things out there get scared away by one old man. Yeah. yeah um. The next one we have is when Obi Wan is talking about his name. He's like, Obi Wan is me. I haven't been called that since before you were born. Okay. And it's like. That's not true. He was literally called that the day he was born. <laughs> His mother literally said that to him as he was being born. <laughs> and after they were born, he was also called Obi-Wan, and, and he was called Obi-Wan when he took them. So, I mean, we obviously know it's not episode four's fault for any of this. It is 100% truly on the people who went and worked on the prequels and were like, let's just not watch our movies to see what timing we have so like how old this man should be yeah none of that i mean thank heavens they they cast Ewan McGregor. i have to say every time they cast obi-wan they cast it perfectly i just love the 
Obi-Wans we have. Alec Guinness and Ewan McGregor kill it as Obi-Wan. Makes me a little bit glad but, in the sense that the timing is off. Yes, the timing's off, but they're so good. I love them as Obi-Wan. Yeah. I mm, I like I like them. I like them as Obi-Wan. I think Obi-Wan is a cool character. But I also the timing is so off. Basically, Luke shouldn't have been born in the end at the end of episode three. There should have been a different time lapse, or he should have been older. I don't think Darth Vader should have become Darth Vader at the end of three. We already talked about that. Anyway, people need to figure out timelines. And just so you know, if you are like pushing barely 30 years old, 19 years later, you're not going to be 70 to 75. <laughs> just it, that, that's not how time works. So here's, um, here's the theory, and it's kind of a joke. It's, it's more a joke than a theory. But they were like, Tatooine has two suns, and we never saw Obi-Wan use any sort of sun protection. So that's why he aged double the amount in those years, is because he had two suns beating down on him instead of just one. So, we, But then that means that Luke is like 12. I don't know. No, I don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, so they go. So Obi Wan takes them to his house, and they're hanging out. Um, and then he t- tells him what the Force is, and I love his explanation of the Force. And I was like, "See, that's what I've been explaining. That is that it's an energy field. It flows in and out. It controls your actions. You control it. It's you know, like he explains it." as like an energy force and so i don't know it always made sense to me i don't know why people don't get it but i also don't know why they suddenly change all the rules all the time um yeah because i really but i love that conversation that they have um and i really love the conversation where he's talking about how him and his dad were friends how he was an apprentice, you know, like he was a Jedi, he fought next to me. And then when he talks about Vader, he talks about he was an apprentice next under me and I taught him and all this stuff. And he helped hunt down the Jedi. Like if you know the backstory, you know that how good of friends they were. It makes that conversation so much sadder. And you're like, oh, my heart. And I, I want to, okay. So anybody out there listening, if you have a video of the flashback, I've seen one, but I don't want to go looking because I know there's a bajillion bad ones, but there's like a flashback of when he's talking about it and it's a voiceover or if you like of, of that speech, you know, we were friends. He was, your father was, you know, a Jedi with me. He was killed by uh, Darth Vader, all that speech. And then it has the battle in three with Obi-Wan and Anakin. Oh, my heart. Um, the next one I have is an effects one so the hard swipes Um, so when we transfer from one storyline to another storyline so there's there's a couple of different perspectives in this movie and there's way less than all the other movies but it's good so there's the, the droids perspective which eventually changes into Luke's perspective and then there's the bad guy's perspective um and 
when they swipe from one to the other, they have like, you know, it swipes the screen or it, you know, flips the page or it circles out. It's very, it was very cool in the seventies. And now it's like very cliche and people will never do it in movies now because it's so referencing the seventies. And so in the prequels, they did those hard swipes again. (laughs) And it looked really weird because, we don't do that in movies anymore. Um, but in the 70s, it was really cool. But there's a couple of times in this movie where they swipe or they, uh, yeah, they like swipe down and they don't, or they like, oh, I can't even explain it. It like twist into the other scene and it looks really bad. And other times it doesn't bother me at all. But some like the, there was one time during that, com- or that end of that conversation where it swipes into the bad guy's perspective. And I was like, wow, that was, that was uh, a really awkward transition. See, I didn't really notice again. I'm not very like focused on looking at things like that. I didn't notice that there were swipes. I didn't really pay that much of close attention. Cause I was like, eh, we talked about the swipes before why they did them. Cause I did notice them in the prequels. I definitely noticed them then. And when you were like, yeah, they did that in the originals, I was like, oh, okay. So I didn't, I didn't pay attention to the transitions because I just figured like what you said, it went with the time. Are to yeah. Alderaan getting blown up yet? Mm, no. <laughs> okay. So just really fast. So we find out, um, from Vader talking to the old people, like he talks about the force and he's like, your old religion and and it kind of explains that the Jedi is a religion so we finally get that information um we find like I mean they have temple and stuff like that so I guess it makes sense it's a religion but like we've he's like you're it's an old religion and your magic tricks and all this stuff to Vader and then Vader like force chokes him and um is like you don't understand like nothing you do can uh ever rival the awesomeness that is the force he obviously doesn't say that but um and so right now we know that the force is just straight up weak because there aren't many people who are using the force and it says that um vader and the emperor are not they like they can't find the rebel base they can't read people's minds or people they never could read people's minds but they could read people's emotions and stuff like that and they can't do that they can't find the rebel base they can't interrogate people or anything or figure out if they're lying with the force which is something that um you could they could kind of do before and so you can tell that the force is really weak and it's because there's only two people using the force pretty much in the whole galaxy right now um, and then I thought it was hilarious when the, um, the Jawa, when they, uh, Luke and Obi-Wan find the Jawa's, uh, big traveling tank thing. And the guy is like, these, uh, shots are so precise, like only Imperial, uh, stormtroopers can make shots that precise. And it's like a running gag in all Star Wars culture that um, 
stormtroopers can't hit anything. And they make a, in, um, what's the show? In The Mandalorian, they make a joke about it. Like, they have a whole, like, really long bit about how they can't hit anything. And it's so funny that he's like, they're so precise, and these bullet holes are perfect and precise. It, it had to be Imperial Stormtroopers. <laughs> and it's like, no, Stormtroopers are not precise. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Hello. so I realized my note about Leia, I actually wrote at the very beginning because I wanted to remember it, and I have notes. Okay. One, Baru and Owen don't remember C-3PO, the aunt and uncle, even though... Why? Why don't they remember him? They, he lived with them for 10 years. I don't know. They got uh, their memories wiped too. Uh, That's what happened. I don't know. <laughs> apparently, when, when you give up a droid, you your memory is wiped and you forget that there droid. Is. That's what happened. That, it had to have <laughs> because they don't. And then not only do they not remember C-3PO and R2, but freaking Ben doesn't. He's like, I don't remember owning any droid. How? <laughs> they spent, like, he saved his life, like, 12 times. <laughs> like, how does he not remember having a droid? Because your memory gets wiped, I Taya. Mean, the droid's taken away. Your memory gets wiped, too. Also, the Force. The Force, I'm just, it's always going to be my answer. Why, why would you think you would remember it, then? Like, he's like, I don't remember having it. But why would you think you would remember it if you're, if the droid gets wiped from your brain? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is, I mean, I love the fact that they have R2 and C-3PO in the prequels, but they are pointless. They don't actually do anything other than miraculous plot holes. (laughs) And so it's just, and silly stuff. So I really, yeah, that that bothered me. He forgot, they forgot. Nobody knows these (laughs) droids that have saved their life. I mean, R2-D2 was with them, like, was with them from the beginning. Like, he's in episode one, like, with them. He saves their life in that one. And then he's with them forever. And I don't remember having a droid. (laughs) That's so insulting. If I was R2, I'd be so angry. Yeah. Like, my mind was wide with yours, too. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I also, when Owen and Baru were talking, no, it's not when Owen and Baru are talking. Scratch that. It's when Ben is talking to Luke. And he says at one point that Owen wanted his father to stay on Tatooine. You know, he's like, oh, I can't remember the exact conversation. I just wrote this note being like, Owen never wanted Anakin to stay on Tatooine. The only time he met him, he, like, murdered a bunch of sand people, and then he was came moody, murdered a bunch of sand people, buried his mother, and left. And never once was he like, hey, you should give up being a Jedi and come live here. So this is, like, another thing that they had in the prequels that they didn't, not in the prequels, sorry, in the original trilogy that they didn't address or try to fix or anything like that in the prequels, even though they have it on film for reference yeah they i don't think they did i think they lost all copies <laughs> and they're like i think it says somewhere in there that he, nah he, it doesn't say anything about him knowing his dad i don't know um yeah i don't know the that conversation yeah he 
Owen seems like he really wants to keep Luke on the planet. He doesn't want Luke. Uh, he didn't want Luke training with Obi-Wan. He didn't want him learning about the force because he was afraid he would turn out like Darth Vader, which is honestly kind of a justifiable thing because Luke is just as good as Anakin supposedly and <laughs> and he could have very easily turned evil um so i can't be too mad at owen for <laughs> for not wanting him to learn about the jedi no i get it too the thing is um, the thing i like about this movie is we actually get chances to see luke up against other people who are supposed to be also really good at what they do and see him be better something we never got with anakin we see luke be a better pilot be a better leader be a better shot than other people when someone says like that shot's impossible Luke's like no it's not I shoot you know womp rats on my planet all the time they're not bigger than that it just seems so easy to him and he's a really good he's one of the very few that did not get killed during the whole battle two two did (laughs) his friend that he makes leave his friend that he makes leave. Uh, we'll get to that part at the end of the, but it is a really bad strategy. I just have to say, <laughs> but we'll get to that. Yeah, when we get I'm just there. saying. Like, but, I appreciate um, that. So the next one, I the next one I have. Oh, I was sorry, saying, I ahead. appreciate that we actually got some like pure action going on where we could see. Oh yeah, Luke. You know he keeps saying that he's a pretty darn good pilot and stuff to Han, and now, you know, I, I'm just I'm just grateful that we got an opportunity to see Luke actually be better yeah and and it does continue out there with throughout the original series that he is really cool in the force and can do a lot mm-hmm. of cool things whereas anakin does a, lot, does a lot of cool things but so does everybody else he he is shown it does show that he's a, a very good pilot like and he's a better pilot than obi-wan which obi-wan hates flying so it doesn't I know, right like if obi-wan but, loved flying and then obi-wan showed him up that would be different but obi-wan hates flying so it's like you don't even have to try that hard to be better than him. Yeah. Um, so the the next thing I wanted to say, um, Luke's reaction to his aunt Thank and uncle. Thank you. Dying. I have that down too. What the actual? I wanted tears. I wanted a a, a scream or even a silent like mouthing. I wanted him to fall to his knees. I wanted the thing in Harry Potter when Harry sees Sirius dying and they have to like hold, of course no one was there to hold him back, but like that type of reaction. Sad music even, like that scene, oh my I was like, because okay I will will admit, I saw this movie when I was very, very young and my parents closed my eyes put their hand over my eyes. So I never saw that part as a child because like with the, the skeletons that are all charred and stuff. And then I feel like as an adult, it's never really registered to me, like what was happening in that moment. And when I was watching it this time, I'm like, they have a straight up shot of these like complete skeletons. Like they were eviscerated. And he just is like, well, I got nothing to stay. I got no reason to stay here now. No guilt. Like no, no guilt. No blaming like, himself. No, no th- grieving process. No being angry. Like not nothing. And I feel like yeah, that was it. Was just like oh no, 
they're gone. And I realized that they didn't want to dwell on it or anything. And he's like ready to be the hero, ready to leave. And so like, I get that they wanted to move it along, but even within the time frame of that scene, he could have fallen on his knees. He could have, you know, silently tears rolling down if he's not a big emotional or screaming type person, which I mean, he's a whiner. So you would think he would be a little bit of a <laughs> blubber, you know, when he's sad and, and there, yeah, he just has like zero reaction. He's just like, all right, well, now my uncle's dead. I got nothing to, to do here. Let's go. He just, and it's like, and Obi-Wan is like, their fate would have been the same, except they would have killed you and gotten the information. And that's like all the convincing it takes for him not to mourn his aunt and uncle. And it, and there, there are times in times of war where you don't really have time to grieve. You just kind of got to go. And then you'll grieve later. But he's not, he's 19. He's never been outside this farm. Which, by the way, what are they farming? Because they are surrounded by sand. They farm, I don't know what harvest. They farm moisture. They're moisture farmers. Ah. So they have like the condensers and stuff, like condensation that you get on your glass. They have like things to like pull the moisture out of the air, pull it deep from the ground. They have a lot of those. He also doesn't have any. He also doesn't have any stuff. Like he sees them there, and he just leaves. He doesn't like. He doesn't have a bag or anything throughout the rest of the movie. Like he didn't take anything. I mean, and I know that the house was blown up, and so like it's smoking from the inside. So I'm guessing a lot of stuff was charred. But he didn't like even go check. It was literally just like, oh, there's my aunt and uncle's bodies. All right, I'm leaving. You know, it, it, uh, that scene was very unemotional for how graphic and tragic it was supposed to be. So that that whole thing bothered me. But the next night I wait, wait, was wait. in that in the town at the bar. Wait. So Anakin doesn't react appropriately to situations like that. He is his father's son. Hmm. <laughs> It's a family trait. They just don't have emotions. <laughs> They're sociopaths. We figured it out. They're sociopaths who whine a lot. Yeah. There's something. Because I'm thinking, like, they chose the appropriate, like, acting choices and everything. Like, when they chose Hayden Christensen and they directed him the way he did, it wasn't, he's a bad actor and they did bad directing. They're like, well, we have to make sure that we see some of Luke and Anakin because they're related. So you can't react. That is what they chose to take from the original movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is the one reference that they took. Also in your good pilot, because Obi Wan says so. Yeah. Well, he won the pod race. There you go. And he, and he blew up the ship at the end of the, the like first. Like, thing. how did he not know that was his wasn't his son when he blew up the ship? He's like, hmm. <laughs> I've seen this scenario <laughs> before. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. And even says the force is strong with this one. Huh. <laughs> Who is the force strong with? Nobody. <laughs> okay. Um I don't know if this one is before. Oh, and I just have another Oh, I was Go just ahead. gonna say my next note, I don't know if it's before or after the blowing up of Alderaan. Uh, so what do you got? I have the bar 
is the next one that I, well, I have a, there's a crappy CGI and when they go into the town and the crappy CGI in the town, it makes me so angry. But moving on from that um, is the, the arm when he cuts off the, the guy's arm with his lightsaber and nobody reacts, which I think is a choice because it's hilarious that they're in a dive bar full of like these ruthless people and somebody gets their arm cut off and they're just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like that's how ruthless and bad they are is they just don't care. But the arm is really bloody, which is gross. And it's all, ooh, gore, dark, sci-fi. But it's also a lightsaber. And it cauterizes everything. And when anybody else in the prequels gets something chopped off, it, like, there's no blood. It's just chopped off because it's a laser sword that cauterizes everything as it slices it. So that I thought was, I actually agree more with the prequels in that sense than I do with this one because it wouldn't have been like a regular sword slicing off his arm. It would have charred it and it didn't. So that was gross. And I actually agree with the the other one, so, the way that they did it in the prequels. He was holding like some red jello or some red juice and it just happened to fall in his arm cavity when it got cut. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I don't know either. I have um, it's just a really super small nitpicky thing. While they're in the bar, you know, C-3PO and R2, they can't go in, so they're hiding. And they hide behind the store, away from the stormtroopers. I have no idea. They're able to lock it, so it, like, it's a door that leads to a place inside. Is it a, are they hiding in someone's house? Is it a store? Like, where where is this place that they could just walk in and lock the doors and no one is like, hey, get out. This is my spot. Nothing like that. Wait, when? So Luke and Ben are in the bar. C-3PO and R2 get kicked out because the guy is like, hey, we don't let their kind in here. We don't serve droids. They have to go away. So they go outside and the troopers, the stormtroopers, are, you know, looking for the droids with the plans. And so they hide behind a door. And the troopers go past, they go up to the door, they knock on it, they try to open it. He's like, it's locked, let's move to the next one. And they walk past, and then 3PO and R2 open the door up again, and they're like, oh good, they're gone. And then close and lock the door again. I don't know what that door leads to. Is it a house? Is it a store? Why is there just this random space that has a door that can lock from the inside? And why are they able to be in there without anyone else doing anything? The force. <laughs> You're catching on. Everything. <laughs> I don't know. It's. I mean, it's a. It's a closet. It's like those. Oh, it's like uh, those lockers at bus stations, where you can just put your droid, <laughs> and then you take the key or you lock them from the inside. <laughs> it's just they, they just have those in the the down the streets and down the alleyways. You just have a door. That you open and lock from the in- and your droid locks it from the inside so that he doesn't get stolen. There you go. <laughs> That's my explanation. <laughs> okay, so um, oh my gosh, can we talk about the Han and Greedo scene, please? So the added scene. They digitally. Oh wait, no, this is before. They digitally move his head. Okay. 
So, and I'm sure you know this, Taya. In the original 77 version, Han shoots first. Greedo doesn't even get a shot out, right? Like, he's about to shoot him. It's very heavily. It's not even implied. It's like, I've been looking forward to killing you, basically. He's going to shoot. And then Han decides, like, nope, I'm going to live and shoots Greedo first. So they changed that later on. And so they have Greedo shoot and then Han shoot in, like, the first what they do and they have to digitally move Han's head to the side so he doesn't actually get killed and if you watch it's the creepiest weirdest thing ever like it just moves <laughs> without like any muscles in his neck or anything and then they're like okay well people didn't like that so then what they did is they had the the shots be closer together so it looked like Greedo and Han were shooting at the same time. So neither one of them shot first. They were shooting at the same time. And they still have Han's head move over really creepily. And it, it, it looked really bad. Yes. And I was watching, yeah, I was watching that scene and I was like, that didn't make sense, but I didn't care enough to rewatch it. Um, so I was just like, they mm, yeah yeah that was they should have left that alone <laughs> they should have just left it Han shot um, first always and forever Han shot first it's okay that he shot first we all know Greedo was going to kill him you know like yeah yeah it's a it's fine I have no issue with him shooting first when someone threatens to kill you and you have and has a gun to you like just. It's fine. It's a it's a space western. Um, That's kind of what like they they do, especially like it's the theme of a space western. A guy who draws first. Well, and wins. also, yeah, and also like someone just got their arm cut off, and no one blinked an eye about it. Clearly, it's okay that he shot first amongst this group of people. Yeah. Like nobody in there is a saint worth saving. You know, <laughs> like they're not these. It's fine. So anyway, yeah, I don't have a problem with him shooting first. That scene just looks weird. It's it's a mess, and it wasn't a mess, and they made it into a mess. No, which that's is the straight, stupidest part. They made it into a mess. It was a great scene. It shows you who Han is, and then they just like made it into, as you said, a mess. It's <laughs> why. There's also another thing. Another really weird digital thing they do with Han when he talks with Jabba that I'll explain. I found out the history behind that as well once we get there. Has Alderaan blown up yet? I have a no. My next one is the added scene with Jabba the Hutt. You're on the same page. The horrible, horrible horrible CGI and the tiny little Jabba the Hutt (laughs) and just and and he's not looking at him most of the time, and and it's another perspective. At no other point does it change perspective, and then suddenly it changes perspective. And Han is not a a, a main character at this point in the movie, so it doesn't make sense that it's there. Like that's why they cut it. They cut that scene, and maybe and like and he said that they cut it because they couldn't make. Um, Jabba walk around the the robot that they had couldn't walk around and be mobile enough to make that scene 
Um, and so they did it when they had the technology to do it, but they did it so badly. I have knowledge about this. I have so much knowledge about this because I researched it. Which I know you hate doing, but I like researching about movies and stuff. Okay, they had an actor in full costume, a human man, be Jabba the Hutt. He said the exact lines of the exact blocking everything. They they filmed the whole scene. And they were having trouble filming the scene, but not because of a robot, just the technical issues with cameras and stuff. And the fact that they had like background people that just, they didn't like the special effects makeup on the background people and all this stuff. And so they cut it out and they filmed the Greedo scene after they had filmed the Jabba scene and filled in the same information. So that's why you get like the exact same information right in a row, basically, he even says one of the lines really similarly, like, everybody gets boarded, um, something like that. And also, the original blocking, which I, I found it on YouTube, Taya, if you're interested, I'll send it to you, with the um, actor, you know, the blocking when Han goes behind him. They had not finalized yeah. if they were going to change Jabba the Hutt at that time yet. And if they did change him to look like an alien, what that alien would look like. So they had Han walk behind him, filmed that way, when they decided to add it back and add Jabba because now they had CGI that they thought was good, which is not, but they thought it was. They had to have Han walk behind. And so the poor special effects team had to freaking like digitally make Han look like he was going over a step or two on the tail and then like not let Jabba react the way that we know Jabba the Hutt would react to someone stepping on his tail because it's Jabba the Hutt. I mean, not in four to be fair in the first star Wars, you don't know Jabba the Hutt. So you wouldn't know that he would react in a not nice way as most would when having a tail being stepped on, but like, it doesn't make sense that they put the same information in twice if you watch Han, it looks really bad. Like the effects just don't match because that poor team just had a heck of a time trying to figure out how to actually get someone who did not step up over a tail look like they were stepping up over a tail and then back around. It's just, and they had like three or no, two. Okay, sorry, three different versions of Jabba. They had the human, and then they had, like, the little skinny CGI one, and then they had the one that you and I saw, which is, like, the slightly bigger, slightly better CGI of Jabba. And then, of course, in future movies, we have the puppet, which looks better. Because he's so gross and creepy and huge. Yeah. He is gigantic. How, how are we supposed to believe that he's just this little guy walking around? He looks like a teenager. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah, I really didn't like the added scene. Not for any, like, because there was no purpose to it. All the information was there. The force perspective, the perspective was not needed. And it didn't make sense. And Job of the Hutt didn't look good. And neither did any of the CGI work that they did in that. Also, he literally says, human being. <laughs> Because it was a human at first, Taya. And here's the thing. <laughs> I researched a bit more. You did all that work. Just just cut the line. I know. Just stop the tape. <laughs> Taya, you know how lazy these people are. They focus on CGIing rocks 
and <laughs> CGI explosions, but not the fire. <laughs> and uh. okay, so here's another thing though: yeah. is George Lucas has tried telling people that he always intended Jabba the Hutt to be an alien from the beginning, but there's like been some evidence, not a whole lot, but just enough to give people some doubt that he really did intend Jabba to always be like an alien. Because, you know, of course, there's a human being there who was cast. He was costumed, not in anything green screen, like a full-on. Like, this is my costume that I'm wearing as the character. Saying the lines, acting the lines with Harrison Ford. And they found, like, things in the scripts, like, with nowhere was there a description until later editions of the script saying that it was a huge, slimy thing with a tail. And, of course, that very last line, which they did not cut for whatever reason that he's a great human being Ugh. like it just made so- no sense at all and I was like why is that line in there still like I didn't know that they had cast him as a human before so it didn't make sense that way it does make sense like if you just watch if you were a teenager and you were just watching this movie for the very first time you would have no idea why the heck He's like you're what like you're a great human being or whatever. Yeah. Like no, he's not. <laughs> Clearly, he's not. He's not even human. Yeah, he's not great, and he's not okay, human. Let's talk about Alderaan exploding because I feel like we're around that time frame. Go for it. Leia's reaction is a little bit better than Luke's, but what the heck? A little. Like her reaction to her home planet with her parents, her friends, her people. Because that's the planet where she's from. So I'm assuming, you know, she's the princess of that planet. And it's a little bit better. She really does look very sad. She she says no and tries to leap forward and Darth Vader holds her back. And, you know, she she generally looks disturbed. But, like, she still is still not as big a reaction as, as I would think one would have when looking at their entire planet about to be exploded with innocence obviously all over it not to mention your own family i just i feel like they didn't quite understand the reaction one is supposed to have when family dies well the only credit i can give is how do you mourn an entire planet of people you know like that's just overwhelming grief and i think it's just kind of and she is very, I don't. I Leia's not very likable in this movie. I'll be honest; she's kind really, of. A I, I like her better. Than, well, I like her better than Luke. Obviously, I actually kind of. I really liked her relationship with Han. I thought they were really funny in this movie. But, but they're funny because, well, see, they did the flirting thing correctly. Mm-hmm. They know how to flirt with each other when she's acting angry and he's acting flirty. He gets what flirty is. She gets what, like, teasing angry Mm -hmm. is. They understand it. Whereas Luke's parents did not. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they're perfect for each other. Um, Yeah, but my thing with Leia and Han in this movie, well, just Leia, like, she's just kind of a brat the whole time. And I, I get it. She's a princess and you know, she's a warrior trying to stand up to an empire. She's a spy. She's a, a rebel against, 
you know, and, and she, she comes from a planet that doesn't even have an army or any weapons at all. And so what she yells out and stuff. So I don't know. I don't think she has any coping skills as far as, you know, how do you mourn an entire planet? How do you, how would you react to that? You know, so clearly she just does it. (laughs) I do think, as I said, I do think it was a little bit better than Luke's reaction. We did get some sadness, some like surprise or surprise isn't the right word of shock that's the word I'm looking for we got shock we got sadness we really did I just I don't know I wanted to see a bit more fight we have and we see more fight and fire her later and maybe it was a choice to be like look in this scene um she has that fire that fight that we come to know and love stripped from her like they make her really vulnerable and it take all control from her and that's what makes the scene so scary but it just I don't know it didn't read that way to me it just kind of read more as like she didn't because even if you can't mourn an entire planet your parents are down there and at least denial or so, maybe she was in denial denial is a stage of grief that's it luke and leia are in the stage of denial in their grief process this whole movie and they go through all the other stages of grief also. exactly between four and five um my next one is this is where the fun begins that is a line that han solo says oh what's mine and that is that is a horrible line spoken in episode three by anakin and it sounds really out of place and weird and then i heard han solo say it and i was like wait they just they literally just stole the line And I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have a reaction to it or anything. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I just was like, they straight up stole that line, and it's not like Anakin and Solo have any camaraderie between, like, or any. They're not supposed to be similar. They're not supposed to have a connection or like, oh, okay, I see. You know, like if Luke had said it or Leia had said it, it would have been like, oh, you got your father in you. No, it. Like, they don't have, like, Solo and him don't have any connection. So, I don't know. I just, I thought that was weird. Um, oh, my gosh. The next scene I have is the garbage Okay, scene. sorry. I forgot to say this earlier. So, this is, I mean, this is a blanket statement for the whole movie. Um, but I wanted to point out that Alec Guinness, who plays Obi-Wan, he had one of the same qualities as Ewan McGregor, which is why I think they make such great, well, one of the reasons I think they make such great Obi-Wans is because sometimes they were given completely ridiculous lines, dialogue that normally no human being would ever realistically say. And they make it work. Like the scene, Moss Eisley, they'll never find a place, I'm messing it up, but like the place of like more scum and villainy or whatever. Can you imagine giving that to... Oh, I hate to pick on Hayden Christensen. I think he's a good actor. I really do. But as Anakin, the way that they directed him as Anakin, can you imagine him saying that line versus the way it was said in this movie by Ben Kenobi? It would sound like the sand line. (laughs) Exactly. So I just, I really want to give props to Alec Guinness, rest his soul in peace, rest in peace and his soul, whatever. Um, because he delivered some really, really ridiculous, 
far-fetched lines and he did it with grace and made us believe them in a way that I think very few actors could actually realistically pull off. And that is one of the best qualities you need when you're playing Obi-Wan because they give him ridiculous lines. They're all given ridiculous lines, so... <laughs> but Obi-Wan pulls them off in just a beautiful way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, just throughout this whole movie, um, his dialogue is... Well, his dialogue is angry, but his acting and delivery of them is great. 